This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to Dyslexia Devoted the podcast dedicated to building awareness, understanding, and strategies to help those with dyslexia. I'm your host, Lisa Parnello, dyslexia therapist and founder of Parnello Education Services. Join me as we dive into today's episode of Dyslexia Devoted. Hello there and welcome to another episode or welcome to your very first episode, whichever it is for you. Have you ever wondered how to help a child tell their friends about their dyslexia or other learning difference? Welcome to episode 42 of Dyslexia Devoted, and today we're talking all about how to successfully tell friends about dyslexia and learning differences. This week's podcast is answering a question from Peggy. She wanted to know how to help her daughter talk to her friends about the struggles of dyslexia and how to overcome the feelings of shame or embarrassment when they need to talk to their teacher about getting extra help on tasks that require reading. So don't forget, you guys can always ask your own questions to me too and send me a message and I will happily add them on to future episodes. Before we get into the answer to that question, I wanted to share that I had yet another amazing dyslexia simulation experience this week. Some friends and I from the NorCal branch of IDA had the pleasure of facilitating a dyslexia simulation for 20 educators at the Santa Clara County Office of Education. Every time I do this, it is always an emotional experience for all of us involved, including me. There were two moments that stood out to me in particular this week. The first was a teacher whose child has dysgraphia who became very emotional at my station about how it feels to complete written tasks when you have a learning difference. She wanted to share this experience with her child's teachers so they know just how her child feels. She got to experience how tough it really is for her kid, and it's so much different when you're an educator compared to being a parent that brings out so many more of those emotions when you realize how hard it really has been for your kid who's struggling in school. And it's one of the reasons I like to keep doing these simulations where sometimes I have to go out of my way. Like this week, I had to switch around my schedule for some of my students I normally work with just so I could do the simulation. But I always feel like it's so impactful that I love doing it anytime I can. The other thing that stood out to me that has actually never happened during one of these simulations was that two different people had experienced a cultural expectation of forcing kids to become right-handed. One was an adult who can write with both hands because she was forced to become right-handed as a child, and then a preschool teacher who is currently getting frequent questions by parents who want their kids to be forced to be right-handed in their preschool years so that they have to use their right hand when learning to write. I want to share out there to all of you, there is no reason to ever force a child to use their opposite hand. Nothing good comes of this at all. It makes everything more difficult. The writing becomes significantly less neat. And have you tried writing with your opposite hand neatly and quickly at the same time and try learning while doing it? It makes everything more difficult 
and we need to break the stigma associated with learning and writing differently. I was shocked to hear this is actually still happening in schools. And from my understanding, from the two experiences shared with me, it was actually the parent requesting that the child write with their opposite hand. So it's one of those things that I want to point out to every parent and educator. Please, please don't make kids write with their opposite hand. Let them do whatever is natural to them because that is their strength. You're forcing them to use something that causes them to be more weak, and that doesn't help anybody. Okay, so jumping in today's focus of telling friends about dyslexia, because I feel like that is connected to my story in the sense that we want to break the stigma of dyslexia and learning differences. There's nothing wrong with having to do things differently. There's nothing wrong with being left-handed because, by the way, there is a very high correlation of kids who are left-handed also being dyslexic. So I've had far more left-handed kids since I started working with kids with dyslexia than I've ever had in my career as an educator. So let's work together to fight the stigma surrounding learning differences. And let's start by telling a friend. This is a big deal to a lot of kids after a dyslexia diagnosis. They either want to embrace it and tell the world, or they want to hide it and don't want to share it with anybody. One kiddo told his entire class he had dyslexia when he was leaving early from school to come see me for a session. He was shocked to find out that none of his classmates even knew what it was. And then there are some kids who don't want to tell anybody at all. They're embarrassed and ashamed of it because it means struggle to them. It means that they're failing at something. And who wants to share their failures? So this actually came up with one of my students recently, and we'll call him Kay for the sake of privacy. So Kay was feeling pretty embarrassed about his dyslexia. We'd been working together for a long time, and he actually had a different tutor before me, so he's actually known for quite a while that he has dyslexia, but he wouldn't tell anybody about it at all. So I gave him a challenge to tell just one person, any person, about his dyslexia. And it didn't matter who he chose, he could choose anybody he wants. And then the next session, I checked in with him and I asked him, so how did it go? Did you tell somebody? He decided to let me know he didn't even know how to bring it up. How do I just randomly tell my friend I have dyslexia? That's weird. And, you know, good on him for realizing that that's a weird social cue. You need to have some sort of thing to lead up to a conversation. It's strange just to randomly spout something off at somebody. So I was really proud of him for knowing that, you know, you need to have some social context to have a deep conversation. Otherwise, it comes across really awkwardly, no matter how old you are. So I gave him some examples of when it might come up pretty naturally in a conversation. So we talked about how there's going to be a time where he needs to ask for help in class because he can't do something on his own, or when he's going to make a mistake when he's reading or make a mistake when he's spelling a word. And so a week or two went by and I kept asking him, so did you complete your challenge? He said, no, not yet. It hasn't really come up. And so, you know, he's just going along and I would casually ask him about it as he logged into his Zoom sessions. And then one day, he logged into our Zoom with a big grin on his face, and he told me that he did his challenge. He told somebody. He told a good friend of his in class when he made a spelling mistake on an assignment that they were working on together. He used that moment to tell his friend, and he was so relieved to find out it really wasn't a big deal. His friend thought it was interesting, but didn't think any less of him. Kay realized that he was far more worried about it than he even needed to be. He told me, I was so scared and there was nothing really to be scared of. It wasn't a big deal. I told him and we moved on and we didn't really talk about it much anymore. And, but if I make a mistake in class now, my friend knows why. And so it's just a relief for him because he was so worried. It was more about the anticipation of what somebody might think. But really, we have to remember, kids, especially young kids, are really accepting. A lot of times they just need somebody to tell them what's going on. A lot of times they're just curious. 
And so there's nothing to make fun of if you just stand out loud and proud of like, hey, I've got dyslexia, so sometimes I have to do a few things differently. And most of the times, kids are actually pretty accepting. Far more often, I see it's actually the parents who are scared of labeling their kids. For a lot of kids, it's a huge relief to know that there's a reason things have been hard and that there's a solution and that it can get better. So one of the ways that we can make it easier on kids to talk to their friends is making sure they themselves have a good understanding of dyslexia. One of the best ways to help kids realize it's not always a bad thing and to understand it better is to know that they can still be super successful and there's nothing to be ashamed of in the first place. In order to tell friends, it can be easier to use famous people with dyslexia to tell friends that learning differently can actually help develop into some pretty cool careers and accomplishments. There are so many famous people who've started breaking the stigma of dyslexia and sharing their stories. So you can try to find someone that they can relate to, so they can have some good stories in their back pocket ready to talk about. There are all sorts of different athletes and actors and actresses and authors and scientists and many inventors and founders of companies who have dyslexia. It's just a matter of finding a really good story that your child or the student in your life can relate to, because there's bound to be somebody else. Dyslexia is approximately one in five people. And while it does happen on a continuum, that's still a pretty massive amount. And it was really cute. The other day, one of my students actually spouted out the exact number according to the general population of California that have dyslexia, if you just ran the numbers with math. And I thought that was pretty fantastic that out of nowhere, she decided to look it up herself, run the numbers of the math of how many thousands of people in California have dyslexia, just based on ratios and just tell it very proudly to me and her dad. So that was pretty adorable. And so we want our kids to be able to embrace their dyslexia and learn that they are not alone, because that is the biggest thing. The reason kids are scared to tell their friends is they think they're the only one. Make sure you check out episode 38, where I talk about characters with dyslexia, because many of them are actually real people. And then also there's a book called Dyslexic Legends Alphabet Book, I'll link it in my show notes, or remember, you can sign up for the weekly dyslexia-devoted newsletter by going to parnelloeducation.com forward slash email to get the link sent directly to you each week when I talk about different resources on the episodes. For the last strategy today to talk to kids about dyslexia in a way they can talk to their friends is to use logic. One of the biggest reasons kids are scared to talk about dyslexia is because they're embarrassed or ashamed. They don't want to ask for support. They don't want to be seen as the only student using an accommodation such as an audiobook, or some families like to call it ear reading, and they're afraid that using their accommodation will make them stand out as an outlier. The first problem is that it means that something is wrong in their classroom if they're the only child using an accommodation. Every general education classroom has at least two kids on an IEP. Learning differences are one in five, meaning realistically, that would be five kids in a class of 25. We need to make it more normalized in our classrooms that students have accommodations and are using them. But let's stay focused on our point for today. Using logic can really help kids because the fear is coming from a place of emotion, which means they don't think about the logical rest of the situation. How would they feel if they were the only one who couldn't do the assignment because they refused to listen to the audiobook and wanted to read it on their own? Would that really feel any better? How would you feel if you couldn't answer any of the questions and got all the wrong answers? Would that feel good? Or if you're totally lost and confused during the class discussion and you have nothing to say when your group is supposed to all talk together about it? How much better would you feel if you listened to your book and you knew all the answers to the questions? How good would it feel to have your grades go up? How amazing would it be to finish your assignments and do a really good job on them? 
It's so important to explain the logic of if-then relationships for how they will feel if they take certain actions compared to others. There are always consequences to our actions and some are good and some are bad. And so we have to think about what are the good positive things that could happen if you do it differently? What could, what are the good things that could happen? Most of the time, students in class really don't care if their classmate is using an accommodation. It's not a big deal. And if anything, it can inspire others to use accommodations that they need too. It would be extremely rare for there to only be one child in a classroom with a learning difference. We need to help kids become leaders who pave the way for others around them. I love when my students come into my office and they tell me they found other kids in their class who have dyslexia too. Sometimes it takes just one person to inspire others. We need to help kids see that they can be that person. There are so many more kids like them and they just don't know it. If you can, see if you can help them find one other person near them in age who has dyslexia too so they can feel that they're not the only one. Because one in five is a pretty big deal. So I know that there is somebody else in your life who has dyslexia or troubles with reading that I bet you can connect your kid to so they don't feel like they're the only ones. All right, let's recap today's episode. Start small by telling just one friend about dyslexia. Help them come up with scenarios how they might bring it up really naturally in a conversation. Then we talked about how they need to better understand dyslexia and the amazing things you can accomplish, even if you have dyslexia. And one way to do that is to really think about somebody who is very successful and see that it doesn't have to hold you back. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but you can do it. Lastly, we talked about how to use logic to help the child understand their emotions, helping them shift into seeing how great it would feel if they use their strategies and how bad they might feel if they don't use those accommodations they desperately need. Using those things that feel a little bit embarrassing might actually make life feel a whole lot better and feel a whole lot more successful. Wouldn't you like to make your day a little bit easier? All right, that's it. But before you go, don't forget to go to parnelloeducation.com forward slash email to get the Dyslexia Devoted newsletter straight in your inbox with all the resource links that I mentioned in each episode. You'll also be the first to know about the latest news and events I have going on. That's all for today. See you next time. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Dyslexia Devoted. Join us for our next episode by subscribing to this podcast as we devote each episode to different aspects of dyslexia. See you next time.